shelter from the storm. Welcome to the Shelter from the Storm podcast, a daily walk through the Bible with me, Pastor Jason Poling, as we seek shelter in Jesus Christ from the storms of this life. It's a great day to glorify God. This is Pastor Jason Poling coming to you from the Shelter from the Storm podcast, a daily brief dive into God's Word, and we are in the Gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 10, we're in verse 46, and we'll go to verse 52. I'm in the New American Standard Translation. Took a little brief time away, but we are back at it. And uh, to get us back into the context of what we've been seeing here in the Gospel of Mark, of course, the whole Gospel is revealing who this Jesus Christ is. That's the essence of the very first chapter, and it explains what Mark is doing. He's showing this gospel of the kingdom that Jesus is bringing. And so we see Jesus' identity in the first part of the gospel being revealed. And then we have this um, just epic moment with Peter in chapter 8. It's the fulcrum of the whole book where Peter has an epiphany, and he sees Jesus for who he is. He doesn't get it quite right, but he does declare Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And then we have this process where, of course, Jesus then reveals more of himself uh, in the glory that he will have one day um, when he comes back again. He reveals himself in the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And then he begins to teach the disciples kind of what it is that he has come to do. And that's where we saw the last verse we were in, verse 45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was the whole reason he came, is to die and to rise again for the salvation of those who put their faith in him. So that was Jesus' entire mission. And he's always, as you see in the book of Mark, when you see the phrase, on the way. And you'll actually see this uh, at the end of um, verse 52, on the road, which is actually uh, on the way in the Greek. And it's this idea that Jesus keeps marching towards Jerusalem, towards his destiny. And so as he's marching towards his destiny uh, throughout chapter 9 and 10, we see him interact with people like the, the demon-possessed boy. He twice brings kids uh, near to him and uses them as an example for the humility and the type of faith that you need to enter the kingdom. Um, he talks about those that are serving the name of Jesus but not doing it exactly the way we think it needs to be done in our little tight-knit groups. And they may not fully get everything right, but Jesus says these are little ones that we love and that they are for him and for the church. And then, of course, he talks about women in the case of divorce. These are uh, folk, these are ladies that had no rights back then. And so they were in a very vulnerable position, just like uh, the kids, the demon-possessed boy, um, those not of the groups that we associate ourselves with. And then, of course, um, he has the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler approaches him and the contrast is profound there between the rich young ruler and those people groups I just mentioned in chapter 9 and 10. And the rich young ruler, he doesn't understand how to get to the level of being a dependent child or to be in the place of the vulnerable woman. He thinks that he's got it all put together because he's been a good guy. He's kept the law. He's made a lot of money. He's been successful. He's pulled himself up by his bootstraps and he doesn't get it. And then we have the account with the disciples, which is the previous passage right connected to the one we're looking at today. And the disciples, after seeing all of this, they still don't get it. James and John asked to be the dominant players in the band of 12. And of course, everyone else is upset because they weren't the first to ask. And there's this jealousy and rivalry. They don't get the idea that it's about being humble 
It's about being vulnerable. It's about being absolutely dependent and weak before God. And so they just don't get it. But that's when we come to this passage about the blind man, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And they came to Jericho. And as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road, sitting on the way. Again, there's the Greek. And again, they're going from Jericho and they're going to march uh, sort of southwest towards Jerusalem. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, Bartimaeus began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet. It harkens back to when the kids are coming to Jesus and the disciples and others are saying, get, get these kids away from the master. He doesn't want to see them. And of course, Jesus was upset with them. But there's, again, a, not, a failure to learn what Jesus is truly about, this servant of, of man, right? This one who's willing to die for, for everyone. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more. Bartimaeus wouldn't take no for an answer. And he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops and says, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, arise. He is calling for you. I'm sure they were shocked that Jesus would have anything to do with this, this poor beggar who, again, in that time frame, would have viewed him as cursed by God, uh, an untouchable, an outcast. But Jesus calls for him. And casting aside his cloak, he jumps, jumped up and came to Jesus, which is awesome, right? Uh, he is so excited that Jesus would have anything to do with him. He runs to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Again, that phrase that Jesus will often ask those in great desperation and need. He's here to serve them. What do you want me to do for you? That's a great instruction for us who want to live the life of Jesus. We need to follow his modeling, his example, to serve the least of these. And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, or rabbi, teacher, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following Jesus on the road. So it's a beautiful uh, story of healing, but it's so much more than just the healing of this man's sight. One thing we see here is in the context that I just revealed to you about Peter's partial sight, right? He sort of saw who Jesus was. And James and John also sort of saw um, who Jesus was in the transfiguration account. But yet we see throughout these chapters, they just still don't get what Jesus is up to. And so this man, Bartimaeus, who is like the kids, like the divorced women, vulnerable, uh, like the demoniac uh, boy, this is a an outcast. This is someone who is at their absolute most low point and most desperate point. And he sees, it's not just a physical healing. This is a deeply spiritual healing. And often when Jesus says your faith has made you well in the Greek there, there's, there's a, a tie in, not just a physical healing, but a spiritual healing, a spiritual salvation. And so the man, as far as we can see here is saved. And we see that the man begins following Jesus on the way, on the road. And so he evidently becomes, uh, and church, uh, church tradition um, thinks that maybe Bartimaeus became an actual follower, disciple of Jesus. So this is a physical healing, but it shows a deeply spiritual healing because this man had that right kind of faith. He saw Jesus, even in a state of blindness. He, already, he, he could see spiritually who Jesus was. And so that's instructive for us because, again, 
we've got to become people that are like the little kids, like the vulnerable women, like the, the uh, demon-possessed boy and the father who is desperate for help, like Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, who is blind and desperate and outcast, but knows his only hope is Jesus Christ. And we have to, in order to be saved, in order to inherit the kingdom of God, in order to be called by Jesus, in order to be able to regain our sight, our, our spiritual sight, and begin to follow him on the way, which is on the way to the cross, in order for us to be able to do all those things, we first have to come to a point where we absolutely realize we are utterly desperate, utterly devoid of our own ability and strength. We are dependent on Jesus. And that's a beautiful display of faith. And the apostles, the disciples at this point, still don't quite get it. They won't get it fully but all until, until the uh, after the resurrection, of course, in Pentecost, and you see them begin to mature and understand the way of weakness, the way of humility, which is strength. And they were very strong in their witness. But it was through a different way than what they, what James and John in this previous passage were trying to do, right? They were trying to dominate uh, like the rich young ruler. So it's important for us to stay humble, stay, de stay dependent on Christ, to realize um, that we don't do anything on our own strength. It's all um, totally dependent on the strength of God. It is he who allows us to mount with wings as eagles and run and not grow weary. Even the young men may grow faint, right? Even these young uh, James and John and Peter and all these guys might grow faint, but it's, it's those who wait on the Lord. They were the, one, they were the ones who will run and not grow weary. So that's what we need to do. Love you guys. Um, try to keep growing and taking a next step towards Jesus, and we will uh, catch Mark 11 with you at the next podcast. Shelter from the storm. Thanks for taking a few minutes today to dive into the Word of God with me. I always love hearing your feedback and questions, so you can email me at jason at cornerstoneyc.com. Looking forward to continue in the Word of God with you as we seek shelter from the storm in Jesus Christ.